Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop. Tell my wife what that person says. Because, you know, one-on-one would just be too damn easy. No, of course it would. Of course. Of course. Gosh. Um, before you start, you kind of give me a minute. The, the school's out to Barn Edgecombe County because of the flooding. Uh-huh. So the boy is not going to bed at a normal time. So I need to make sure that his ass is where he needs to be. Yeah, that's fine. So if you'll give me just a moment, or Ed, if you want to, I mean, you could go ahead and open the open the Foreign Affair podcast. What the Foreign Affair podcast? That's exactly what this is. It's episode one hundred and fifty-five. We're just one away from three years. I know we tweeted out about the uh, three-year anniversary. Three years anniversary from episode zero, which is always, as we know, parenthetically called assault. Um, the, the, the much bandied about and never, ever, ever used name for this podcast. Uh, as always, I am Edward Green and will be momentarily joined again by McCall and Crime. Wes Bradshaw, once he rejoins us here on the podcast. And uh, while while we do this, as always, we are presented to you by NGSC Sports, as well as I'm Next USA. And uh, this does give me actually a, a quick moment to, to talk about something that happened last week um, after we taped. Um, it actually came out on Thursday, and you know, usually this would be where we go, ha-ha, hashtag Thursdays. Um, unfortunately, it was, it was not that kind of thing. As um, as the soccer community at large lost a, uh, a one one of the good ones, and that was Ugo Eugo, uh, who was uh, the Tottenham under twenty three coach. Uh, he had also played uh, for England, had been capped four times with them. Also played uh, at Aston Villa and Middlesbrough. Uh, played two hundred and twenty nine matches for Villa, one hundred and twenty six for Middlesbrough. Uh, had one of the the great goals in Rangers history uh, back in the old Farm Derby um, back in two thousand seven. Um, and and he just he was he was forty four years old and unfortunately he uh, he had uh, a heart attack on on the pitch. And um, when they when during practice and and just um, passed away, so it is it is an incredibly sad um, 
um, Tottenham, um, and as well as, of course, Villa and Middlesbrough being very, very close to him, and, of course, Tottenham being where he was now. Um, and, and a lot of the former players from that under-23 side, including some of the ones that are still there uh, and, and playing a lot, guys like Josh Anima, uh, Deli Ali, Cameron Carter-Vickers, um, a lot of the young guys on Tottenham uh, paying their respects to him. Just, just a very, very sad story, and unfortunately because of the nature of this podcast, one that we're only getting to now. Um, so that is that is how we start the podcast, but only only good things going forward. Um, and, until we get back to news and notes when it all, all gets bad. Um, but we will, we will endeavor happens. to move forward. That is, that is, that is what happens, unfortunately. Um, we will move forward uh, with, with the actual football because uh, we do have a lot of football to talk about. We also have a lot of news to talk about. This was an exceptionally heavy news day for a Wednesday. Um, and in fact, there's two stories I'm saving from today that we'll get to, um, because they're a little more evergreen, that we'll get to uh, when, when the news slows up a little bit. Maybe once we get to the summer and all we have to talk about is the Confederations Cup. And, and uh, our favorite 90s music. Ah, I love a good 90s music pop. Um, so we will dive though right into um, the Premier League as it was because we had matches this week to take care of and still actually have one tomorrow taping this again on a Wednesday night um, and we also of course have some matches from the weekend um, what we're going to do is we're going to as we're going to do pretty much the rest of the way through the season uh, we are going to talk mostly about the top six um, and, and how they did in this past week now, unfortunately, for a lot of the top six, they did not actually play on the weekend, uh, as most of them, or four of them, were busy in the uh, the FA Cup semifinals. Um, so nobody, none of them played on the weekend, but they did play midweek. Um, we will get to those. So first, let's just go quickly through some of the other scores from Saturday. Uh, West Ham and Everton drew nil-nil. There you go. Uh, Hull gets a very important 2-0 win at home over Watford. Uh, Lazar Markovic with the winner in the 62nd minute for Hull there. Uh, Swansea answering at the same time. Uh, Fernando Lorente and Tom Carroll scoring against Stoke to get Swansea a big 2-0 win as both of those teams are trying to stay out of the relegation zone. Uh, Bournemouth beats Middlesbrough 4-0, and that may have actually been the game that sends and fully condemns Borough back to the championship after just one year in the Prem. Uh, Josh King on the scoreboard just two minutes in to that match. As we headed to Sunday, see, I told you, not many matches this weekend. Um, on Sunday, uh, United got what it turned out to be a fairly routine win against Burnley, uh, but they have been taking some losses onto the uh, dressing room table. Uh, we'll get to those in a little bit. Um, and that was pretty much it for our non-top six teams. Haha, <laughs> gotcha, United. Um, and then, so on Wednesday of this week, uh, Middlesbrough Sunderland in that 19th versus 20th place game. Middlesbrough with a Darun goal in the ninth minute, nutmegging uh, the Sunderland keeper uh, as he was going to ground, uh, gets the 1 0 win at Riverside Stadium for Borough. Very important, just keeping that faint hope alive of maybe they can get out of the bottom three for Sunderland. That mean, the loss means that this weekend they could officially get relegated 
uh, depending on the results. And we're not going to be able to talk about it, and I know this is a top six game, but uh, the Manchester Derby, City versus United, Thursday at 3 o'clock. We'll be talking about that next week. Don't you worry. So, Wes, let's start with um, the bottom of the six teams. We, we go to Arsenal um, at the Emirates, where I, I don't want to say they were fortunate, because that would make me seem like a hater. But uh, I, I know little other way to describe Arsenal's 1-0 victory over Leicester. Uh, a Robert Uth own goal in the 86th minute uh, off a Nacho Monreal wayward strike that careened off Uth's chest and into the Leicester City goal gave Arsenal the win. Of course, one of the big moments that came just a few minutes after that was uh, as, as there was a throw-in from a Leicester player, I believe it was Andy King, throwing it in um, and it glancing off Alexis Sanchez's elbow because he was only about two feet away being a nuisance, um, slowly turns around, covers his face and goes to ground. And and I don't know if you got a chance to see it. I have to imagine you have by now, Wes. Um, this is... This is one of the most shameful acts I have ever seen of trying trying to draw a card, trying to fake an entry, just just terrible. So so what we're left with is Arsenal, a fairly poor showing, a fortunate goal, and still this is what we end up talking about for them. I mean, it's uh, it's just one of those things, man. You know, Alexis Sanchez has all the tools to be a, uh, a perfect um, you know, prima donna um, uh, pantomiming striker. You know, he's got the hair. He's got the Arsenal jersey. He's got the South American heritage. <laughs> he's got the fact that he doesn't really need to flop to score goals, yeah. but does it anyway. Um, I mean, he's, he's tailor-made for it, and it, it was ridiculous, just absolutely ridiculous. Um, but you know, as a as a guy who uh, was a massive supporter of one Luis Suarez, mm-hmm. not that Suarez. The only time Suarez ever dove was obviously in front of uh, um, David Moyes mm-hmm. after scoring the goal against Everton. Uh, oh God! Still one of the f- most fabulous celebrations in footballing history. I mean, it, it's what it is, man. They're just they're those guys who are going to do it. And some of them, you know, if they're close and they do it, oh well, fair play. But that was that was really. <laughs> I mean, it was almost comical how bad it was. Um, as for Arsenal themselves, back back to the the action on the field that didn't involve somebody <laughs> doubling over when they get the wrong part of their body hit. Um, they 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 went on the weekend, as we'll get into when we talk a little bit more about the FA Cup. They get a, I would call a very fortunate win here as sort of was the FA Cup win. Now they, they have to go to White Hart Lane this Sunday in, in the North London Derby, which not, not to spoil how the results from today's Tottenham match came out, but now with the way the results are, if, if Tottenham beat Arsenal this weekend, it is officially reversing Totteringham's day. Have, have Arsenal righted the ship enough, or 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 should or should they still be 
somewhat worried going into this match with Tottenham? Well, I think they have to definitely be concerned. I mean, because the thing is, they've gotten a couple wins on the bounce, but they, A, they haven't been overly impressive, and B, mm-hmm. it's not like they've played just lights help football. They've, they've been fortunate. They've done what they had to do to win. You know, the thing is, when you get into a Derby game, especially something like the North London Derby, sometimes it doesn't matter how well you're playing. Sometimes it just matters if you get the bounce. Mm-hmm. And, you know, for Arsenal, I think they've got to have a little more, um, you know, a little more – I've lost my words today. I didn't work today, so I haven't had to use my words. They've got a little more confidence maybe going into mm-hmm. this Tottenham match. But, you know, with Tottenham doing what they did today, once again, not to spoil it, um, <laughs> I think both teams are going to go in definitely feeling like, hey – you know, we can go in and win this match. Both teams are going to mm-hmm. feel like that going in. Um, and it's just going to be up to – it always comes down to in the derbies who can keep their head and who can convert when you get maybe the one clear chance in the match to convert. Can you do it? So, But yeah. I think Arsenal are in it. Let's put it this way. I think Arsenal are in a better spot after winning a couple on the trot than if they'd drawn or lost, obviously. That's true. I don't think they've turned Arsenal's seasons around with those wins, but uh, you know it does keep their faint top four hope alive, um, and it does. It, so basically, it keeps them. It does keep them with a steady reason that we need to go out and get three points, other than just uh, for pride, because we know Arsenal doesn't really play for pride. That's true. Um, one team that is trying to play for pride as well as that top four spot. Manchester United uh, gets the 2-0 win at Turf Moor this weekend. Uh, Anthony Martial and Wayne Rooney. Yes, Wayne Rooney with a goal in the 39th minute against Burnley. Uh, as we, we've said before, Turf Moor, in, in all seriousness, not an easy place to go and win a football game this season. Uh, but United do it um, there. But bodies dropping left and right for them. Zlatan coming out today saying that his he recognizes his United career might be over. Um, because he might be done for the next, at least the end of the year. And we're talking the end of the year. We don't mean the end of the season. We might mean his 2017 might be done, which is horrible. Silver Um, lining of that, because I want nothing more than Zlatan to get as far away from United as possible. But at the same time, my God, I don't want to lose Zlatan. He just, he just needs to come on over. That's all he needs to do. The, the catch-22 is what it is. Yeah. And, um, come but now to we America's have... Come <laughs> We had you uh, Pogba's going down. Um, Ro- Marcus Rojo, Chris Smalling, much to Josie's chagrin, apparently, also kind of coming out with injuries. Um, this is this is a United team that is being held together by duct tape, it seems like, at this point, Wes. Um, they, they get the win at Burnley. They're having to play Manchester City tomorrow, the team directly above them in the table right now. Really, they, they almost have to win the match um, at this point to really feel confident about getting into the top four. Um, is, is this United team, do they have enough as, as bodies drop left and right this season for them, do they have enough to get across the finish line? Well, we're all looking right at that North London Derby, obviously, on Thursday. Or, I'm sorry, not North London Derby, the Manchester Derby. Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, then they turn around, they've still got Tottenham, they've still got Arsenal. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, it's not just a one—it's not just a one match and we go kind of thing. Uh, on top of that, they have the Europa semifinals coming up. Mm-hmm. This is a team still has a lot of football matches to play, and like you said, suddenly they're losing guys. That said, <clears throat> not to blaspheme, obviously, the name of Zlatan Ibrahimovic, mm-hmm. but you, you know, I've, I've, I've kind of sat in this little spot all year. Saying, you know, A, I want Zlatan to stay healthy and score goals because I love Zlatan. Mm-hmm. B, I was almost, I'm almost a little afraid of what United could be if Zlatan was not playing. Mm-hmm. And you're kind of seeing it with the attack. Um, I, I, I hate to say this. I think Rashford is an absolute superstar in the making. He could be. Yeah. Um, and, and because of the presence of Zlatan, he just he has not been able to really get a solid run of matches. Uh, also, when he's in there with Zlatan, you know, the thing is, you it's like you have to play around Zlatan when you, when he's mm-hmm. in the match. Sure. Which once again, I mean, the guy scores goals. I mean, you know, he can't be but so mad. But United have some players that they could get out and really, you know, play some expansive football. If A, it wasn't for Zlatan, and B, it wasn't for their manager. But anyway, I digress. And now with Ibrahimovic gone, I'm, I'm just a little worried that, you know, Rashford's going to come on. Uh, you know, he's already playing well. Uh, Martial can finally get his engine going a little bit. Rooney. Oh, God, Wayne Rooney. Wayne Rooney's back. Jesus Christ, Wayne Rooney's back. Um <laughs> But, I mean, those guys could start to, you know, really turn it on here late. Luckily, we're running out of matches, so they don't have that long to get it going. But, um, you know, you could really see – I really think right now United are looking very seriously, A, the injury, B, what their attack looks like without Zlatan. I think Mm -hmm. they're really looking seriously at, you know, hey, man, maybe maybe you want to go to America next year. Yeah. And we're not going to cry about it when you leave, even though he's been a great player for United. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's a really weird situation just because it's almost like as great as he is, and yes, he scores a goal a game. But the thing is, they just, they lose so much dynamism when he is in mm-hmm. that they might almost be better with him out just because mm-hmm. the sum, the sum of the parts is greater than maybe just Latin by himself. So uh, you know, let, let's hope things don't click, and you know, let's hope somebody else sprains an ankle or something. Uh, because I, I, I really, I really, God, it's like I'm torn to a. I, I think I just, I just need a city win. I don't need a draw. You know, a week ago I would have took the draw. Now, mm-hmm. I, you know, I don't care. I just need City to win and get United off our ass. <laughs> because of it's course, as we get to, we didn't take care of our end of the damn uh, business there. Well, and, and we might just go ahead and skip to Liverpool because with City, they didn't play on the weekend and their week match yeah. is tomorrow. So we have nothing yeah. really to talk about with City until we get to the yeah. FA Cup. So uh, we'll be, of course, talking more about them next pod uh, when we have a couple of matches from City to talk about. Um, so let's go ahead and, and hit the Liverpool match, Wes. And, uh, you know, it started off great. Phil, Phil Coutinho with one of the goals of this half of the season in the 24th minute. Liverpool off and running 1-0 up on Crystal Palace at Fortress Anfield. And then Mama does that man again. 
the bad man. The bad man came back, and that's Christian Benteke, 42nd minute, 74th minute, set piece goals for Benteke. What he should have done in Liverpool red, he does in the red and blue of Crystal Palace for big Sam Allardyce. Crystal Palace with the 2 1 win in Liverpool. Um, I, I gotta say, you know, Crystal Palace, as we saw today, and we'll get to Tottenham in a, in a minute or two here. Um, as as we saw when earlier this month, Palace beat Chelsea, Palace beat Arsenal at home last week. So this is a Palace team that's starting to round into form. When I was looking at Liverpool's run in, even as we joked how they can't really beat the mid to low table, this was still one I thought that was pretty comfortable for them. And now a loss throws them, as, as you talked about, United needing to get off your asses. This is one of those that brings them even closer and where a point at least, if not three, should have been in the bag for this one. You know, and I said last summer when this whole Benteke leaving thing was going down, I, I believe I said on here, if I didn't say it on here, I believe I said it to you. I would mm-hmm. take less money to get him the hell out of England. Yeah. You know, we got, well, I think we got about 30, 32 million for him from Crystal Palace. I would have taken 25 and sent his ass to, you know, Atletico. Or I would have taken like 20 and sent him to Italy. Just because this is what, Benteke is like Liverpool kryptonite. I mean, the guy now has eight goals against Liverpool in his career, and he's only played like seven matches against them. Um, I mean, he did it at Villa. He's come back, he's done it again. <laughs> uh, Sam Allardyce gets his first ever win at Anfield, which he has not shut the fuck up about yet. Um, it, it's it's kind of well-known. Allardyce has never been a... You know, Allardyce and Alex Ferguson were really tight. So, you know, Allardyce really doesn't like Liverpool anyway. Yeah. So, to be able to get this win and help his uh, help his beloved Man United uh, get, you know, get closer onto Liverpool's ass, it was a great day for Big Sam. The free kick from Coutinho was magnificent. Just, just phenomenal. I will say that at the very moment, just before he kicked that, I kind of grabbed my, my four-year-old's shoulder and said, turn around, watch this. I think something cool is about to happen. And bam. And she went, oh, cool. Okay. About to do what she was doing. But anyway, she said, oh, cool. So that's good. Um, but the problem was Liverpool never built on that. It was a very drab display out of midfield on the day for Liverpool. Um, to, to say the least about uh, Dejan Lovren just being Dejan Lovren on the day. Um, I mean, he was, God, I mean, this was back like two years ago, Dejan Lovren. I don't know what the hell he was thinking. I don't know what the hell he was doing. Um, on top of that, <laughs> the bench for Liverpool, uh, of the six players on the bench, there were 58 total Premier League starts. 56 of them, I believe, belonged to, uh, I believe, no, 54, I believe, belonged to Alberto Moreno. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, that's not good. Liverpool had four teenagers on the bench. Uh, ben Woodburn, Trent Alexander-Arnold, who had played some recently, so they weren't really a stretch. Uh, Joe Gomez made the bench. He, he hasn't played in the Premier League, I don't believe, since uh, since he's come back from that injury. Uh, and then uh, another one, I believe, oh, God, I can't remember the kid's name. I believe it was uh, like Ryan. Rian Brewster. 
Ryan Brewster, yeah. Um, you know, he that was the first time he's ever made the bench. Uh, then we've got Karius and we've got Moreno on there. Um, so you could tell from the get-go – Liverpool needed to jump out to a lead and cruise home because there wasn't much coming off the bench that was going to be able to change the match. And that's mm-hmm. exactly what happened. But really, just a oh God, piss-poor display from the midfield. Uh, they looked like they had no pop on the day. And, and that was disappointing. As good as Vinaldum and Chan had been uh, mm-hmm. of recent ilk, um, as, good as, uh, as good as Lucas had been as the defensive mid, and for them to have that kind of day was just really disappointing. Um, up front, as, as I say in every Liverpool match, you could say this in a lot of matches, you know, Liverpool had chances. Well, they had a really good chance to go up 2-0. Mm-hmm. Had a wide open side of the goal, and was it Firmino who pulled it wide? I can't remember. It was Firmino or Origi who pulled it wide out of basically a wide-open goal and would have made it 2-0. And a couple minutes later, Benteke scores. And in the second half, I mean, as I after about the first five minutes of the second half, my, my immediate thought was, please, God, let's get a draw. I just yeah. did not feel that Liverpool had it in them to go win on the day. Um, that's disappointing. Only their second home loss of the season, the other to Swansea. And it just it couldn't have come in a worse time for Liverpool because you had just watched United win. Mm-hmm. That's the thing. You had just watched the previous match before. United had just won. So you know the gap was closing. Um, you know, now United sit three back with two in hand. Um, now, luckily, as we said, you know, three of those matches, you know, they're playing uh, Arsenal, Tottenham, and City. So you're expecting, you're hoping they'll lose points. I would love to see City and Tottenham go and beat United and, hey, Arsenal, get you a draw, guys. <laughs> I mean, that would be perfect. That would be a perfect world, but, you, you know, here was Liverpool. Liverpool controlled their own destiny, and now they don't. And that's always, that always sucks. Uh, so four matches left. I mean, Liverpool need all 12 points, I believe. You know, uh, I thought there was... I thought there was a chance for drop points somewhere. Mm-hmm. I was really hoping not to have a loss as those drop points. You know, if you get a draw, you get a draw. Because you just, you've got to feel United and City or, or, and Arsenal are going to drop some points somewhere. Mm-hmm. But taking a loss and taking it at home to Palace, ugh, ugh. Oh, that's gross. That's just, that, that was not a good Sunday. <laughs> No, and and I got I have to say, you know, as I, I do, we, we we like to pull for each other's teams. We want both of each other's teams to do good. If mm-hmm. if our teams could finish one two every season in some order, that would be probably about the most perfect thing ever. And of course, um, we would argue over that order, but still. <laughs> yeah. If 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 one of if if we just sent back and forth the Premier League trophy every year, like that'd probably be okay. Um, uh, I I think. Even if I just put on my journalism hat, I think to see what Klopp has tried to build and, and knowing that there are still a lot of pieces that need to come in, especially in that back, with, with as good as we've seen Liverpool be this year, I think it would be incredibly 
disappointing to see them kind of stumble at the end mm-hmm. and and lose a Champions League spot. I I would be I would be disappointed to see as as well as Liverpool have looked sometimes this year. I think and, and again they do control their own destiny, but to an extent, well they or they did, but I, I think to an extent it would be. I would still feel a little bit hard done if I was Liverpool, as good as I have played this year, to not get the top four. And and quite frankly, you know, as as not great as United and Arsenal have looked sometimes this year, exactly. it, it's hard that, to say they may they they deserve to be in the Champions League more than Liverpool. I, I I'm not going to lump City in with them. They, they no. their highs have been so high that I I can see them as a Champions League team. I mean, as, as abject as United were for so long in this season, for them to pop up the, at the end still playing kind of negative football and to, to pit a Liverpool team who's been so exciting, who leads the league in scoring, you know, if United pit them at the end, it, obviously United fans would be happy, Liverpool haters would be happy. I don't think any neutral would be like, oh, Seriously? I would much rather watch this team than this team. Um, and Arsenal, I just I don't think that's going to happen for anything. But I mean, if Arsenal if Arsenal find a way into the top four, oh my god! I mean, what do you have to do to kill them off? They are the ultimate cockroaches at that point. Yeah, and and I think also you know too with the way United right now are three back of Liverpool. And, and they have three fewer losses, but three more draws, 20 fewer goals scored in the season. Just, it's hard to get excited watching a Manchester United after they played, except basically for their last match when they played against Chelsea before the Burnley match. That that was how I wish, as, as if I was a neutral, that's how I wish United would look all the time. That was great. You know, you score two great counterattacking goals, you look great in defense. And 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 your Josie being Josie, um, but that's that's not the United we've gotten for large swaths of the year, and I think that's why it would be disappointing to see that. It would, it would. Um, oh man. That said, I'd just be disappointed for United to be back in. Uh, but but as for Liverpool, um, you know, the, all all the transfer talk is already kicking off because. You know, it's one of those things. It's like Christmas. It comes earlier and earlier every year. Mm-hmm. Um, the targets that have been identified by Liverpool, what most of the journos are saying is, okay, these targets are realistic if you have Champions League football. Right. And their guys, Virgil van Dijk, um, mm-hmm. uh, Nogbe, Nogbe from uh, Leipzig, uh, a couple mm-hmm. of other guys, and those are guys who would really come in and give Liverpool a boost could, you know, uh, especially Van Dyke could really, really help solidify that back line. Uh, so these are guys that Liverpool could really, really critically use to help this cause. And the problem is if you finish fifth and you're not in the Champions League, you basically wipe about two or three of those guys off your list mm-hmm. and you have to take a step down, which means you're not getting the same player. Now, you might get lucky and hit on one. But right. you're not bringing in. You know, you're not bringing in the same class of player without that Champions League. So, you know, for Liverpool squad, like we said, four teenagers on the bench, plus Alberto Moreno. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I mean, you've, you've got to have more. You've got to have more. You understand, yeah, there's injury problems, but you know what? At this time of the year, who doesn't have injury problems in the Premier League? And that's just how it is. Who doesn't have some sort of injury crisis? Um, I mean, ours just happens to be our best player out, our captain out, um, you know, a couple other guys who we could really use that are out. Um, and that sucks for us, but, you know, at the same time, we can only play that card so far because right. everybody has guys out. Yeah. So. And um, so we're just going to have to see how they, they keep on still in third place as of now. Um, the team in second place, Tottenham Hotspur, uh, played today. And for about 80 minutes, we started wondering, almost 80 minutes, we started thinking, oh, boy. Is is this is is it getting Spursy again? Is 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 that meme not gonna die in 2017? And Chris Erickson said, maybe it is. Maybe maybe this is the year the meme dies. Uh, as as from about 30 yards out, Chris Erickson takes what looked on first blush to be a rather speculative effort and beats Wayne Hennessy in the bottom left corner with an absolute howitzer of a shot. Tottenham won Crystal Palace nil at Selhurst Park. And, you know, Wes, the, uh, Kyle and, and one of the Wobbies said it after the match, you know, this is probably not a win, you know, Tottenham gets last year. This is probably ends up being a draw. And in a match where Deli Ali was all right, where uh, Harry Kane was all right when Two of their midfield rocks and Musa Dembele and Victor Wanyama were pulled at halftime. For Tottenham to go out and get a 1-0 win against a team who, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, is playing rather well coming down the stretch on the road. This, this is potentially, not, not officially, but potentially a statement victory for Tottenham. As good as some of the wins they've had this season are, this is a. This could be a statement victory. I mean, it was it was a huge win for them. Um, yeah. A draw wouldn't have. The way the league's shaping up, a draw wouldn't have really hurt Tottenham in the long run. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't look like Liverpool, City, United are coming for Tottenham. You know, they they seem content. They're going to battle it out for the third and fourth spot. So you know, Tottenham are kind of locked into that number two because once again we've talked about you know unless Chelsea suddenly start capitulating and things kind of go south for them. I don't think either of us really think Tottenham are going to catch them just, just based on the, the form of Chelsea this season. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, just psychologically for Spurs, I mean, that is big. You know, we've talked about, we've talked about the different phases of Spurs. You know, last season, last season they were maybe a year ahead of the project. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, especially with Deli Ali coming good last year, and you know they they last year they surprised people, and then they fell off at the end, and everybody was like, yeah, okay, that's more what we expected. This year they came in with a target on their back, mm-hmm. and they've been able to, you know, they've had some rocks on the ship. Everybody's had some rocks on the ship this season but they've been able to kind of write theirs. And, you know, that, that one today, that shows grit. And that's something that, 
you know, maybe Tottenham last year and definitely Tottenham of the past have lacked. You know, they've always had flair. They've always had guys who could score a goal or do something gorgeous. But to have the grit on top of that, that shows that, you know, they're at the next, they've hit the next evolution of the project at Spurs. Um, and, you know, I think we're kind of looking at if Chelsea wasn't just having a one of the best bounce-back seasons in history, Spurs could very well either lead this league or, you know, be closer than even the four points here in the title race. And, you know, we have a Tottenham team that now, with the win today, sets a club record for most points in a season. I believe they've also, in a Premier League season, I believe they've also set a record for most wins in a Premier League season uh, with still five matches to play. Um, this is the first time in the club's history that they will be going if, you know, I should... This one's not confirmed yet, so I want just to briefly pump the brakes. It would be the first time in club history that they go to back-to-back Champions Leagues if they, they maintain a top-four slot here. Um, and as we mentioned... You know, they're not going to get a trophy this year, and, and again, unless Chelsea just absolutely slips up. But, and there is no, this is especially one of those fake trophies. Mm-hmm. But could it be big for Tottenham to finish Arsenal? Could, to finish above Arsenal? Would it be, do you think, actually big for the players? You know the fans will love it. You know that's something that they, they've had held over their head for the last 20 plus years that 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 every year in the Premier League Arsenal's finishing above Tottenham if if that flips this year is that something that could actually have a real effect on the players or is that something that's more just for the fans and the media well i would think it would have it would mean something to the players just because you know this is a Tottenham team who the the bulk of this squad has been together for a while and they've had to live through it, you know, especially last year when they should have finished above them. And I mean, you know, don't get it wrong. Yeah. You know, these guys might not have all grown up childhood Tottenham fans and they understand everything. That's, that's not what we're at anymore, but you know what? Guys do still have pride mm-hmm. except Arsenal. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Arsenal. We're just going to keep bringing this up. Um, but, I mean, they do have pride. They they hear it. Don't act like they didn't hear it last year that, well, you blew it. Mm-hmm. You know, if not else, you could have at least finished above Arsenal. Don't act like they haven't heard this before. And don't act like that's probably not somewhere up on the wall in the dressing room, you know, when they look at the standings that they're above Arsenal. I mean, now, that's not all they focus on. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that, you know, they're going to – you know, be champions of life party or anything for finishing mm-hmm. above Arsenal. But I do think it's something that would be big for the players because that's, if nothing else, that's another psychological hurdle that they've overcome. Mm-hmm. You know, finish the season strong. You know, okay, we finished second. Team record for points. Team record for wins in a season. Hey, finish above Arsenal for the first time in 20 however many years. Those those are all small victories, or those are all season victories at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Those are things you can look at the list and you can check off. Still can't beat Liverpool, but hey, that's okay. Apparently. (laughs) 
<laughs> those okay. four points. Those, well, yeah, those yeah, five points. Yeah, five points. Um, that's, that's but, but, you know, hey, once again, if we just played a top six league, Liverpool would be run away with it. So, whatever. Um, <laughs> but I do think for Arsenal, or for Tottenham, I do think it matters. I mean, I don't think it's, I don't think it matters as much as it does to the fans. Mm-hmm. But like I said, I do think it's probably, you know, you know, begin the season as a player, you make this checklist, you, you have personal goals, you have team goals. And hey, I'm sure that's on the team goal. Hey, finish above Arsenal. So. Yeah. Uh, I think it would. I think it would be a nice little uh, cherry on top of the cupcake for him this season. Yeah, and so so one last thing, and and this is this is something I saw our, our good friend Ian Dark uh, bring up on the weekend, and we'll get to it when we talk a little bit about the FA Cup. We'll talk about it a little bit. Um, he feels like you know Tottenham like have to win a trophy, and and I'm just wondering, do Tottenham? I know the point of the game is to win things. Like I, I don't, I don't disagree with that. I'm just thinking we're we're in year three now of Maurizio Pochettino. You know, first year was I believe a fifth place finish, where he was just trying to install his system. Second year was, as you said, maybe a year ahead of schedule, and they just got gassed at the end. This third year they might be able to sustain a quality side all the way through the end. And as you said, hey, maybe they end up with still 85 points, and that's this season, that's only good enough for second place, but that's still a fantastic season. You make it to the semifinals of the FA Cup. Mm-hmm. Does, does Tottenham need a trophy or they're considered a failure? Or, like, is that... Like, it's just something, like, it just strikes me as, like, they have to win a trophy. Like, I, I know Tottenham as a club hasn't won a trophy in a while, and I, I do appreciate that. But this Tottenham team, this Tottenham team led by Mauricio Pochettino, has only been together for three years. I, I think that to demand from this team a trophy, which, by the way, I don't see a pundit out there that picked Tottenham to actually have won a trophy this year, maybe not even finish top four. I, I don't know why we like demand this team to win trophies and from that perspective. Well, in the long run, obviously the goal is to win trophies. Of course. Uh, but, you know, once again, like we say, you know, this has been a, you know, when Pochettino did not walk into a loaded squad mm-hmm. at Tottenham. Now, you know, year three, after the great season they had last year, I think there could be people, hey, you know, let's see Tottenham win something. Would it have been cool to win the FA Cup? Sure. Sure. But... It would have been great for them psychologically, I think. Yeah. I mean, would it be great to lift the Premier League trophy in a year? Of course. Of course. I mean, that's what you're playing for. You know, I I don't get this. I don't get the... um, I don't get the mindset of Spurs to kind of be like Arsene Wenger, where, oh, our goal is to make the top four. Every year, that's all that matters. As long as we finish fourth, that's all that matters. Now, the thing about finishing fourth in the Premier League, finishing fourth should be seen as, all right, well, you know, what's what's that old saying that you've heard, that motivational saying, uh, you know, uh, aim for, was it? Uh, aim, oh, shoot for the stars, if not, you'll still hit the moon. Yeah, uh, or shoot for the moon, or shoot for the moon, and if you miss, you still end up among the stars, something like that, you know, whatever. Um... I think that's how fourth place should be viewed. 
as well. You know what we did? Our goal was to win the league, but you know what? We ended up in the top four, and that's not bad. That means you know we get a chance to play in Europe next year. That, that's that's okay. I mean, for for Tottenham. Now here's my thing. I mean, so three years now of progression under Pochettino. That means year four as a Tottenham fan. All right, I want to I want to win something. We're ready. Mm-hmm. You know, we we've progressively hey we've gotten better every year. Fifth, third, second. Hey, only one more place we can go. Right. So, you know, I would be expecting I'd be expecting it next year, but for this year, I mean. I think the big goal for Tottenham this year, obviously everybody's goal number one. I mean, hell, you know, look at every high school football team. You know, mm-hmm. they put the goals number one. We talked to, talk to coaches for years, Ed. Coach, what are your goals this year? Goal number one, win a state championship. Okay, well, you know, uh, what, eight teams in the state are going to do that at the end of the year. There's a pretty damn good chance that you, Rocky Mount Prep, are not going to win that state championship. <laughs> You know, but you go, you know, okay, first we want to win a state championship. Well, then we want to win a conference championship. Okay, well, then if we don't do that, okay, we want to make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. You know, if we don't do that, well, we don't want to lose all our games. You know, you, you, you progressively move down on the goal list. So, I mean, you know, if you're Tottenham, you're sitting here, hey, you know, last year we wanted to win the league, we finished third. This year we want to win the league, we finished second. You know, we would love to win the FA Cup. Last year we got knocked down the round of 16. This year we made it to the Final Four. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's improvement. Yeah. Yeah, other than Europe, I mean, we're not going to talk about Tottenham in Europe right now. That's a but still, domestically, I mean, you you did better. You're doing better this year than last year domestically. That's all you can ask. Because you know what? If you come back next year and do better, you're going to win the damn league. <laughs> yeah. You know, you're going to win the league and maybe the cup. So you might win a double next year. And then nobody's going to be sitting there thinking, oh, well, we should have won a trophy last year. Screw last year. Hey, you know, it's all about what's coming up next. So, I mean, I understand that, yes, the goal is to win trophies. I'm a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Jesus, God, we have this conversation constantly amongst ourselves. The goal is to win trophies. We want to win trophies. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool themselves have a large trophy cabinet with a lot of trophies in it, and we want to keep adding to it. You know, Tottenham want to start adding trophies back to that trophy cabinet. That doesn't really have a lot in it over the years. But they mm-hmm. want to start adding more to it. This is a team that I feel that they feel they can start adding trophies with. You know what, it didn't happen this season, but I don't see that I don't I don't see it as a failure if Tottenham don't bring home a trophy this year. If you got the semifinals of the FA Cup and you finish second in the league. That's not a yeah. failure of the season with, I believe, what, the second youngest roster in the league? Yeah. So And I just that's that's yeah. where I get it from. I just I don't understand this this need to where where you have to have this goal and if you don't hit this goal, it's it's your season. Oh yeah, you played some good football, you won some matches, you know, but whatever, you didn't win the FA Cup, you didn't win a trophy, so and how good are you really? No, this team is really good. At the end of the day, they had a one they had a one game playoff, and as we'll get to in just a little bit, match for the most part they were actually the, maybe the better team, but just they didn't execute a couple times, and that's why they're not going on. Now they've got to get better about that, obviously in cups. But in a one game with two teams who had already split the regular the quote unquote regular season 
meetings against each other. This was about as coin flip of a game as you get. I think if you play that game ten times, you probably get five times Tottenham wins, five times Chelsea wins. So, I don't know. Well, and another thing, too, I mean, basically you've gotten pipped in these two competitions by the same team who statistically, number-wise, is the only team better than you in the country. Yeah. I mean, Chelsea, when you look at the points, you know, okay, they're the only team that are better point-wise than Spurs. I mean, I think we've proven Liverpool are better on the field than Spurs, but just against each other. That's a different story, of course. We'll talk about that a different time. Uh, but, I mean, when you look at the points, I mean, Chelsea are the only team ahead of Tottenham in the league. And that's who knocked them out of the semifinals of the Cup. So, I mean, it's not like you turn around and Middlesbrough knocked you out of the Cup. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, yeah, you want those trophies. But at the same time, if you don't get them, it's not, oh, the season's over, we didn't get a trophy. Oh, God, yeah, like Marvel, we didn't get a trophy. I just don't want to dismiss what Tottenham I hope is building because they didn't win this Well, and, and two, I think if you had gone and let's say if Tottenham had gone and dropped Manchester United money in the offseason, mm-hmm. then I think, yeah. yeah, okay, we expect the trophy. Yeah. But you know, they went they made one they made one well big money for them move. <laughs> I mean when you look at it, that was still a third of what United played for one paid for one player. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, you know, there are different expectations, I think, sometimes for what you do. You know, Spurs are just looking to build upon last year's success, and they've done that. And, you, and of course, they felt if we build on last year's success, we're going to have a hell of a season because we had a hell of a season last year. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was their goal, I think, was build on last year, get better, get better, and they've done that. And now they've set themselves up for the next few years. Granted, they keep that, that nucleus and that roster together, Mm-hmm. Add a few things here and there. They've set themselves up for a chance to win trophies. Yeah. So, yeah. Absolutely. So, lastly, let's just talk really quickly about Chelsea. Uh, they hosted Southampton on Tuesday um, in the league, one four two. Gary Cahill, this time putting the ball into the other team's net, not as known, uh, ended up with was for the time looked to be the winner uh, until Ryan Bertrand got a courtesy goal in the 94th minute. Um, I, I don't see Chelsea really dropping points, Wes. If they're going to do it, though, it's either going to be this weekend against Everton or maybe, I think, in a week or two when they have to go to West Brom. That's, that's the only time, because if I just look at their schedule real quick, they're not going to drop points against Middlesbrough, I don't think. They're not dropping points, I don't think, against Watford. And from what we saw today and at that point of the season to end them with them, they're not – if they're if, if it's for the title, I don't see Chelsea dropping points at home to Sunderland in the ball teams. So it's either going to be their trip to Goodison Park this weekend or when they go to the Hawthorns in a couple weeks. Aside from that, I don't see Chelsea now. I thought if there was another one that could, it could be maybe Southampton. It wasn't. I don't think we have title race on just yet. Um, I just think Chelsea are too, too good, too disciplined, and mm-hmm. I mean this is a group that most of these guys were around when they won the Premier League a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. So they're not going to be in awe of the moment. 
I mean, that's the thing. You know, these guys are just going to go out. Chelsea are going to go do their jobs. They're pros. Did they have a slip-up? Sure. Everybody slips now and then. But Chelsea are pros. They've been here. They've done this. This isn't a new thing. Um, I think Chelsea are just going to take care of their business on the way in. Yeah, it looks like they are. And uh, that is going to be one of the matches, though, we will be taking a look at next week. Uh, along with, of course, uh, the Manchester Derby, which by the time you guys listen to this, you probably know how it ended. That is Thursday at 3 o'clock. This Good weekend. Job, yeah, hopefully. This weekend, back to a full slate, though. Uh, 10 o'clock on Saturday, Southampton versus Hull, Sunderland to Bournemouth, West Brom Leicester, Stoke versus West Ham, and Crystal Palace versus Burnley. That's your 12.30 matchup on Saturday. Woo! Crystal Palace Burnley. Uh, on Sunday, that's when you get the good stuff. Uh, it starts at 7 a.m. with Manchester United hosting Swansea. Yes, whatever. But at 9 o'clock, you get Everton versus Chelsea and Middlesbrough, Manchester City at the Riverside. And then at 11.30, it's the NLD, the North London Derby. Tottenham versus Arsenal. White Hart Lane, a win for Tottenham, as we mentioned, means they will absolutely finish above Arsenal this season. Then on Monday, 3 p.m. at Vicarage Road, Watford hosts the Red of Liverpool. Come on. Wes will be dropping a deuce in his pants. Oh, don't don't do that at work. Don't do that at work. I'm going to be on the ambulance all day on Monday, too. And if something goes wrong, at least I will have trained professionals just feet away from me. Just, just get the paddles ready. Uh, as we take a quick look at the standings, Chelsea still with a four-point lead over Tottenham with five matches now to play. Liverpool are in third with 66 points. Man City are right behind them with two matches in hand, two points back. United, same, three points back. Arsenal, uh, also two matches in hand, six points back. Everton, two back of uh, Arsenal in sixth place, uh, but they all are only four matches left in the season. Bottom of your heart, the relegation zone. Hull, two points ahead of Swansea for that 17th spot. Uh, Middlesbrough, six away from relegation, uh, from safety, I should say. So there's still a chance for them. Sunderland, 12 points adrift. A loss would just about knock them out of the Premier League this weekend. Um, all right, so real quick, uh, Wes, we, we have our Champions League draws. Uh, it's a Madrid derby for two legs as Real takes on Atletico. Uh, we also then will have France versus Italy as Monaco takes on Juventus. Um, I, I, I feel like we're getting Real versus Juventus unless that porous Real Madrid backline continues and maybe Atletico sneaks in a few goals. The second leg will be at the Calderon, so maybe Madrid, ha- uh, I should say Atletico, has an advantage there. But think we're heading for Real Juventus in the final. Well, you know, we said it. I made the point last week. I thought um, Atletico over two legs. I think that's their absolute best chance mm-hmm. against Real. It seems like in the one and done, it doesn't work for them. But over two legs, mm-hmm. yeah, so all they've got to do is pip a goal and then keep, you know, try to keep Real out. All right, and now we're going to take a look at the Europa draw West just very briefly. Uh, you know, yeah, yay. United draws Celta Vigo. Uh, another French team, Lyon, will be taking on Ajax. Um, and I'm this, so proud of United you for having... finally saying the damn team's name correctly. Three years in. Three years in. Um, you forgot your own joke. Does United now, with, uh, with, the, with the draw they have, 
Does United have a real shot at winning this final? Absolutely. I mean, once you're there, absolutely you have a real shot. I mean, they're definitely the top team when it comes to name recognition. But, you know what, Ed, we talked about earlier, this is a team that suddenly are dropping like flies. You know, mm-hmm. their, their depth is really being put to the test. Um, you know, it was one thing to, you know, unleash Rashford and Martial in the, on Thursday when you knew you had Zlatan. You know, and now without having that kind of depth, uh, you know, you you might be sitting back thinking a little bit or fatigue could actually start to set in. Uh, Another injury to United could be devastating for them. Um, I think right now they're definitely the odds-on favorite to win. But, you know, Lyon has had a really good season in France, I believe. Um, They do have uh, a... Ah, God, I had his name and I just lost it. But he's going to play for Liverpool. Yeah, it's that guy. He's going to play for Liverpool, Ed. Yeah. Uh, Lacazette. Alexander I know Lacazette uh, has had yeah. another fantastic season. Um, and Ajax, I mean, Ajax or Ajax, don't get them wrong. And Celta Vigo have had a nice season um, in, in Spain. You know, they've got a few scalps of their own. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when you get into the Final Four, I think everybody, everybody there has the opportunity Everybody there can do it. But, yeah, United's definitely your bookmaker's favorite. All right. And all those matches will be taking place over the next two weeks, starting May 2nd with the Champions League matches uh, as they go forward here. Um, For the FA Cup, real quick, um, Chelsea beats Tottenham 4-2, as we talked a little bit about earlier. Uh, Arsenal... Probably shouldn't have beaten Manchester City. They do beat them 2-1 and added extra time. A goal that should have absolutely been allowed. Wasn't counted for City, unfortunately, as they fall. Um, so we're getting Arsenal versus Chelsea in the uh, the FA Cup final on Saturday, May 27th at Wembley. Um, Wes, does, does Chelsea do the presumptive double or, or does Arsenal win a trophy and, and, and keep Wenger around for another year? God, if it would guarantee Wenger back for like three more years, I would take the Chelsea, the uh, Arsenal trophy. I mean, <laughs> you know, all once again, I mean, all common thought would would feel it would be City or it would be Chelsea. Of course, all common thought figured City would take care of uh, Arsenal pretty easily. So, um, mm-hmm. I mean, given Arsenal, you know, they've got experience here. They've won it. They know what they're doing. Um, I just I think Chelsea are gonna once again back to my comment about them being professionals and know what they're doing. I think Chelsea are gonna take care of business at the end of the day. All right. Well, we also have to take care of a little bit of business, so we are gonna take a quick commercial break. On the other side of the break, though, we'll be back with a quick news and notes segment as well as watch for and so on to close out this edition of the Foreign Affair Podcast. Back in a moment. Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. And back here on the Foreign Affair Podcast, Edward Green, Wes Bradshaw, going to hit news and notes now. And uh, it seems like every time we, we, we think we have an update, we, we think we're getting closer, now it looks like we have the official word on this 
Borussia Dortmund bus case where they had the explosion before their first match with Monaco in the Champions League. Uh, and apparently we thought, you know, oh, maybe it was a terror attack, maybe it was this, maybe it was that. Um, it was a German-Russian nam- national, uh, Sergej W., who was arrested last Friday uh, as a suspect. Uh, apparently he wanted to impact the club's share price. The 28-year-old, according to this article on Bleach Report, bought 15,000 shares in the team for 78,000 euros with a put option, which means he had the right to sell the shares back at a predetermined price before a set time in the future. Had the club's share price dropped as a result of the attack, it is estimated the put option would have increased and he could have sold the shares back for as much as 3.9 million euros. So, um... Humongous piece of shit. Yeah. That's really all I have to say on that. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't really know what to add to it. I mean, he's... He's a shitty dude. <laughs> I, I mean, we, we in America here, we've had, you know, all everything with the banks and corporate America, you know, stealing money from people and, and people gaming the system with insider trading. The, the people doing the insider trade on Wall Street aren't actively putting bombs out. Now, they are terrible people. Don't get me wrong. They deserve to all go to jail. But they're not actively putting bombs out and potentially murdering people when they do it. This is scummy, scummy bullshit of the highest order. And I hope this man is prosecuted to the fullest extent of the law. Fuck you. Yeah. It's a patented all-new sports show, a foreign affair podcast. Fuck I you. Agree with now you. that we're not a TV show anymore, we can just say fuck you. Green, I agree with you. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I gave you the green light to say fuck you. How could you be against uh, that? My twelve-year-old sitting five feet away from me. <laughs> well. <laughs> and yes, I know I'm already cursed this. on this, but it just kind of been dropped into casual conversation. I don't. Um, then let's get away from that and talk about some good stuff. Um, for the second straight year, Tottenham uh, Hotspur midfielder Deli Ali was named the PFA Young Player of the Year. And also for the second straight year, uh, Ingolo Kante was named Player of the Year. Um, Wes, while, while I'm, I'm thrilled, mm-hmm. obviously, for Deli Ali to, to win the trophy two years running now, there is a part of me that does wish the, the award was more like a Rookie of the Year yeah. award. Like, I just... And again, like, Delali has had a fantastic season. He has come on so strong and been such an important part of this Tottenham team. But I just... It, it just seems like it should be more of a Rookie of the Year award. I understand English England. That's, that's not what the award is. I understand... Yeah. But part of me, again, as happy as I am that a Tottenham player has won it two years in a row, actually three years in a row, because I think Harry Kane won it the year before Delhi. Um, I, I I do think it should be a rookie of the year type of award. Yeah, I mean, it's it's just one of those where, you know, once you win it once, I mean, it's cool. But, mm-hmm. you know, you've got a guy who, I mean, up until he ages out of that, should dominate the award. Um, yeah. So you know, hey, win it. Well, I think you know. I, I agree with you. You know, win it once. 
and then you know don't mm -hmm. be eligible for it again. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, that's it. It's it's what they do. Hey, and Harry Kane was actually second on the boat, the the ballot. So I, you know, yeah. this is a guy who who easily could have been the player of the year it, and was on the short list and and somehow came in second. So I, <laughs> I, I, I don't. Well, I mean, to me, it's just it's somewhat of an anticlimactic award to me. Yeah. So I mean, especially when it's a guy who, you know, I would just like to see it be for maybe the younger players who are a little off the radar. Yeah, absolutely. You know, or, I, don't, I, don't, I just say if if you're nominated for like player of the year, you shouldn't be nominated for mm -hmm. uh, for that award. Unless you, unless you are the player. Mike Trout. Where where you are just absolute like if you're it's your first year in the Premier League and you score like twenty two goals yeah maybe you should be up for both um, other than that probably not yeah yeah I mean whatever it's just well, okay whatever. whatever nobody awards don't matter um. So we'll end our news and notes with, you know, a, a story that actually broke this morning. So hashtag Wednesdays, um, Joey Barton. And we, we knew he was in trouble for his for his gambling and, and all the issues he had there. Um, he has been suspended from football for 18 months, which is basically at, at his age is basically putting him into retirement. Currently 34. He'll be 36 once this ban is lifted. I don't see a lot of teams taking on a 36-year-old Joey Barton who hasn't played a, a professional football match in a year and a half. Um, and these are for bets. He placed uh, over over 1,200 bets between March 2006 and May 2016. And here's the kicker. Some of those bets were on his own team. Now, in a statement he released, he did say that those matches he uh, bets he placed on his own team, including sometimes for his own team to lose, uh, did come when he was not playing. So it was never during a match where he could have actually affected the outcome one way or another. But still, I mean, we saw this with Pete Rose. Don't bet on your own team. Don't don't bet on your own sport. Like, I understand you, you he said he liked to gamble, but he, it was more about picking teams, and he didn't always bet a lot of money. He just wanted to try and predict things and have, like, a little bit of money on it. Okay, that's fine. There's literally a million other sports you could bet on. Don't bet on soccer. At that point, even if you're not playing a match, if you're betting on your own team, as, as I mentioned just a minute ago, it's kind of like insider trading. You have knowledge that not everybody has. It's not fair. I, I get this. Having said that, and, and then I'll let you comment, Wes. The fact that... We've seen some of the bands we've seen, you know, Luis Suarez only getting a few matches for biting people and being racist. Um, you know, every, a couple other ones, I think, you know, there was there was a gentleman, uh, Ali Tweedell, who pointed out, you know, um, Paulo De Canio going after the ref and only getting 11 games. Um, Eric Cantona's Kung Fu move, which got just nine months instead of the 18 months for Joy Barton. I find it incredibly hypocritical that the FA is doing this when you can go to just, you could throw a 
you could pick a name out of a hat with all 20 Premier League teams. And there's about a 50-50 chance that the team name you pick out is their front of their kit is sponsored by a gambling company. Mm-hmm. You look on any match on a, on a Saturday or Sunday, and after on the on the little video board around the fe- the pitch, you'll see that cute little Vitality dog, which I still don't know what Vitality is, but whatever. Um, and then you'll probably see a gambling site being sponsored. So, to me, and I I don't believe it's bad for me to say this. I believe I can take both opinions. What Joey Barton did is terrible, and he deserves to have the book thrown at him. And the FA is a bunch of hypocritical fucks. Mutter. Yeah, go ahead. Um, a couple things. A, Joey Barton may have just gotten, like, the Lifetime Achievement Award of being a complete dickhead asshole. And this may oh, have- I guess the kid's gone. Well, no, he's not listening. <laughs> um, Joey okay. Barton's a moron. Joey Barton has done crap yeah. over the years just to do it. He's been, char- you know, I think Joey Barton's biggest issue with him may have been, you know, he's a repeat offender. He's, he's always in trouble. Mm-hmm. So this could have finally been like, mm-hmm. all right, we're done with you. Two, yeah. here's my other feeling on this, Ed. The Premier League is worth so much money, and they realize mm-hmm. this. Yeah. And the one thing on this earth I believe that could bring down the Premier League could be a match-fixing scandal. Yeah. And because uh, yeah. of that, I think they have gone out, they have thrown the book at Joey Barton, they have made an example mm-hmm. of Joey Barton, because I, want, I think they want every other player in that league to look at it and say, all right, you know, you mess with us, you screw this up, we are going to nail you to the wall. This is your this mm-hmm. is your physical warning. Do not mm-hmm. bet on the Premier League. Do not kill this golden goose. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they're protecting their own interest. I think they're protecting the interest of the players in the long run as well. And you know what? Joey Barton just happened to be the guy who did it, got caught. He obviously has a long history of getting in trouble anyway. I think it was easy to kind of make him the sacrificial lamb here. Because I don't think anyone has a problem with getting rid of Joey Barton. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I, I've read stuff today. I've looked at you know comments on Facebook to the story. No one was sympathetic to Joey Barton. They may have said, <laughs> I don't agree with the penalty, but Joey Barton's still an asshole. So <laughs> I think to me, and that's why I don't have a problem with this, is I think they are, they are quickly trying to nip in the bud hey, do not bet on Premier League matches. Do not bet on anything. You know, even if you're, even for Joey Barton, okay, I, well, I only bet when I wasn't playing. But still, now someone could go in and say, well, are we sure they're not match fixing? Because, you know, this guy's betting on the matches. And he plays on the team. He's betting on the matches. And that's where, you know, looking back on Pete Rose, I think that's where Pete Rose really made his biggest mistake is, you know, once the public loses faith that your sport is not on the up and up, why am I mm-hmm. going to waste my time watching it? You know, hey, at that point, you know what you can watch? You can watch pro wrestling. And that has a stigma around it. Yeah. You know, uh, I mean, uh, but hey, the thing about pro wrestling, they admitted a long time ago, it's a show. Just enjoy the show. 
this is still presented as this is a competitive sport where anything can happen and nothing's predetermined and you know this is all on the up and up if you've got players throwing bets down on matches you lose you have a, you run the risk of losing that credibility i have zero problem with what the fa did uh i think they hit him they hit him hard and i'm hoping that means that we won't ever see this problem again do, do you think though that there is an issue that 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 with all of you just said with with as much as they don't want players gambling on the sport do you think it is an issue though that so many of their teams are 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 aligned with betting sites like that that seems incredibly hypocritical and and believe me i don't disagree with one word you just said i just feel like if that is actually your aim then then and god you know the nfl i'm loath to agree with them for anything but i mean i think i I read an article like they're looking into the fact that some players were in like an arm wrestling tournament or were even at a arm wrestling tournament at a casino in las vegas and they're and they're like no we don't want you to be anywhere near that even though we're going to put it exactly even though we're moving the writers there in two years but anyway but but the, po- the the greater point is we don't want to be anywhere near associated with gambling, or at least up until this year. Shouldn't if the Premier League really is that concerned, Matt, and I, I I believe you that that is a real issue. Shouldn't they then say, go to their, their their clubs and say, okay, guys, literally go to anywhere else, go to fucking Middle East airplane companies, and get this sponsor from them. Do not. <coughs> get betting sites don't fucking do it I, I don't see here's my thing i don't see the issue with the betting sites on the shirt for the simple fact that you know the sponsors are made more for the fan base and, and gambling in the uk is different from gambling in the us um it, it's very mm-hmm. ingrained there it's something that that's happened and gone on for a long time um Here's my take on it. You know, you're a fucking professional athlete. You're making millions of dollars. Why do you need to go bet on the match? You know, I I, I have no real problem with, you know, um, 123bet.com. Not that that's anything that's real. I'm just using that as an example. I have no problem if that's on my team's shirt. Because to me, why do my players need to be betting? Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean, I can I can somewhat understand and see where okay, this could be a little iffy, but you know, that's that's just kind of what it is. I don't I don't think the premier here's yeah. the thing: the Premier League does not have an issue with gambling. Uh, you know, I, I'm saying they have an issue. I'm saying you know, the heads of the Premier League are like, I mean, we right. don't have a problem if somebody wants to go gamble. That's fine. But don't do it if you're a player. And don't do it if you're a coach. Yeah. I mean, that's our thing. Just, you know, hey, we have no problem with gambling. They've accepted the gambling culture in the country. It's just, hey, look, mm-hmm. you know, you're getting an opportunity that, you know, you're one of the 1% of the world who gets this opportunity. Don't go fuck it up. You know, don't go gamble. Just take your millions and you know, live in luxury. Don't go gamble, you idiots. I mean, if you're going to gamble, don't just don't gamble. Don't play sports bets. 
don't play soccer sports bets, but um, bet on American sports. Yeah, exactly. Like like WrestleMania. Oh, we'll get to that. In a <laughs> totally, totally done. Oh, but um, that, that's just well, that's kind of my deal. Okay. That is, I don't have an issue with it on the shirt, but I, I also I don't have an issue with the FA throwing the book at Barton because you know, that example oh, just know. need to be made because it's like you know. We're we're not playing around here. You know, we will we will take your career if you try to take down our league. So, that's, I, I think that's fair. I like I said. I, I think I think I can be of two minds yeah. on this. And, and even though they seem to be conflicting, I I absolutely agree hundred percent. I have no I have no sympathy for Joey Barton whatsoever. What you did was stupid. I don't care how you try to justify it. It was stupid. That said, just you know, Premier League just. Maybe maybe look at the problems with gambling, but whatever. Um, let's hit the watch for Wes. Um, what have you been watching in the week that was, or the week that will be? Had the uh, season finale of uh, the Detour this weekend on, uh, or mm. this past week on uh, TBS. Um, I, I like the ending to an extent. I mean, the Detour it's one of those shows. It's like I like it. I don't live for it. Um, there was a really funny mm-hmm. moment in there where John Oliver was actually in it. Uh, oh, that, was, that was he was. They, well, they used to. That's because they used to be together on the Daily Show. Who was it? John Oliver and who? Uh, who the the main the main guy uh, whose name Jason. Oh, Jason Jason Jones is it Jason Jones. Yeah, oh. Jason Jones, who is married also to Samantha yeah. B, who also. Has yeah, and she's now. actually yeah. one of the uh, main producers of this show, so. Oh, yes, okay. they both are, and that's but that's why it's because both of them, oh. all three of them, really were on the Daily Show oh, at the same okay. time. John Oliver made a funny appearance in it as a uh, British Army officer who uh, basically <laughs> let uh, our, our um, villain for the season um, have the parts of Saddam Hussein's statue. Anyway, you'd have to watch it to see it. It's it's a funny show to me. It's got really funny parts. I wasn't hugely thrilled on the entire season. Uh, But, I mean, it has been renewed for season three. I'll definitely watch season three. Um, You know, they kind of bill it as, you know, it's it's a new family, it's a new kind of, like, family sitcom because it's horribly irreverent. They they curse. They say horrible things. Um... (laughs) But it, it, it was, it's a solid show. I really like it. It's a solid show. Um, so that that finished up for the year. What else? Um, uh, crap, I'm trying to think what else I've watched this week. Everything's kind of been a blur this week. I've had an, I've had an interesting work week ahead of me. Um, Archer Dreamland keeps on ticking. That's, I'm really happy with Archer Dreamland so far. I don't know how much of it you've seen. I think I've seen the first three now, and I've just, I've been... Uh, same. Yeah, I'm happy. I'm happy, by golly. Um, oh, did I see anything else this week? Oh, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I believe it was their season finale. Uh, it seemed mm. like it was, it seemed like it was a season finale, um, but I, I don't remember if it actually was. But they've had a good little storyline where uh, they're precinct uh, was under under threat of being shut down and they ended up uh, keeping it open so good for them that's a, that's a funny ass show I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine one of my faves one of my faves um, yeah I'll just I'll let you go from here 
Um, I will just say uh, Silicon Valley episode one of the of season four. Still as good as ever. Uh, it brings back uh, one of the great characters from season two, and he, who's this guy who is a he's like a hedge fund guy, and he, he loves investing in things, and he invests in their company. But he's also he's very crass. He loves saying fuck and pussy and 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 making a lot of fuck jokes. Uh, and of course, he drives an orange um, flip door Mustang, and. And as as he's picking up, trying to pick up his daughter from uh, her, her her school because his maid couldn't do it because she got a DUI, um, as as our main character is talking to him to try and get funding for his new company, um, and he he tells him, you know, I want you to, he's like, you know what, you're like a you're like a gay man, it's like it's, no, he's like, what do you say? He's like, I want you to sell me a product because when you sell me a product. It's got to be great, and it can't be where yeah you can have a half-assed product, which is like if you're fucking a woman, but maybe you're really gay, so you really gotta fuck that guy. You gotta just have find a guy, and you just gotta fuck it. And he starts naming off all these gay characters, and he's like, "How do you know about so many different? You know so much about gay culture?" He's like, "Oh, my grandfather just came out the other day. He was beautiful." And he gets in his. They talk, they talk, and then he gets in his car. And he speeds off because he was at the wrong school, of course. And he speeds off in his car, and Papa Roach, uh, Last Resort, comes on. And I'm just like, yep, you would totally listen to early 2000s new metal, because that is him. I fully expected maybe Linkin Park should have been on there. But it's fine, because Silicon Valley is a great show. Mike Judge makes great films and TV and I really, really suggest you watch it. If you have HBO, watch it. If you don't have HBO, there are places on the internet where you can borrow it, as the kids would say. You can borrow the episodes. Sure. And, and watch it for yourself. Just, sure. you know, borrowing, lender, lender links, as they call it. Um, so, but again, check that out. Silicon Valley, just absolutely fantastic. Um, so, Wes, speaking of things that are absolutely fantastic, does... WWE fit that bill this week as we get so wrong? Eh, have its moments. Yeah. We'll give it that as oh, Um, Monday Night Raw started off. It was the go-home show for uh, Payback. Payback pay-per-view coming mm. up this Sunday. And I'm not going to lie, you know, Raw has been better of late, especially since the, um, the shake-up. They've been doing a lot of good things. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, better things. Eh, this one was, it was okay. It was an okay show. I mean, I didn't leave me feeling terrible, uh, but I had my, I definitely had my plus moments in it. Um, I had a really good uh, tag team cruiserweight match. Uh, Jack Gallagher and Austin Aries uh, beat Neville and TJ Perkins. Jack Gallagher, I don't think I've spoken about him before. He's a, uh, his character is of a British gentleman. Uh, he carries an umbrella to the ring that he affectionately calls William the Third. Um, he has a uh, he is a ginger, which is terrifying. Uh, he has a uh, a fantastic uh, curved upward mustache. Uh, <laughs> but he's just, he's re- he's really entertaining. Uh, Austin Aries is fantastic. Neville Neville has like made the cruiserweight division matter since he showed up in it and kind of took it over as the dark overlord of the uh, of the cruiserweights. Um, T.J. Perkins has had a 
heel turn over the last few weeks, which has been interesting to watch because he was so uninteresting as a babyface. It wasn't funny. They had a really good match. Uh, they, they've got something coming up soon. I believe uh, we're going to get Aries and uh, Neville Part 2, which will be which will be really good. Excuse me. That was, that was not written to you, WWE, I promise. Um, let's see. Just the latest. Um, we had a dumpster match between Kalisto and the guy who has basically carried Raw lately, and that's Braun Strowman. Yeah. Uh, Braun Strowman, 6'8", 385. Kalisto, maybe 5'5", 175. And Kalisto ends up beating him with a dropkick. All you had to do was uh, get your opponent into the dumpster to win. Um, well, this came to uh, last week when Raw is Braun. Braun actually picked up Kalisto and threw him into a dumpster. So that's how this match came along. Um, Kalisto wins with a drop kick that knocks Braun off the ring apron, and Braun lands standing up in the dumpster. And like has this like look of shock. Kalisto's all excited he won, and then Braun gets in the ring and just absolutely—I mean, literally—I haven't seen Kalisto alive since, so he may actually be dead. Uh, Braun Strowman beat the living shit out of him, threw him into the dumpster, uh, pushed the dumpster up on top of the ramp. Took ratchet straps, ratchet strapped down the dumpster, and then rolled it off of the ramp about a 10-foot drop. And with Kalisto still inside. Um, it, was, it was very reminiscent of, a, uh, of an Attitude Era, um, New Age Outlaws, Captain Jack, Chainsaw Charlie gimmick. Um, that would look much worse because, you know, Terry Funk and Mick Foley will take literally the most horrible, disgusting bumps on earth because they're just insane old men at this point in their life. But um, it, was, it was good because, you know, it keeps showing just Braun Strowman as this just decimating badass. And that's what he is. Um, other big match of the night that I really enjoyed and I really got my chills moment off of. I love you saw my Twitter today. I, um, I actually watched the second half of Raw today. Didn't get it all in on Monday night. Watch that and watch SmackDown today. Um, the match I really enjoyed, uh, Seth Rollins and Big Cass had a mystery partner. That partner was Finn Balor. Uh, and they took on Samoa Joe and uh, Gallows and Anderson. Gun and Gallows, as I still call them from their New Japan days. And I, I really, I, I mean, I watched most of this match with a smile on my face, knowing that, like, the truth in real life is that Carl Anderson and Finn Balor, a.k.a. Fergal Devitt, are real-life best friends and have been for over a decade. Uh, they actually trained in the, the New Japan Dojo together before either of them ever made a name for themselves in wrestling. Uh, they trained, they're best friends, their families get together, and this is the first time that they've had the chance to work together in about three, maybe about three years. Ever since uh, Finn Balor left New Japan to come to WWE, but definitely the first time they've had the chance to work together in WWE on, on, on Raw. So for me, I really loved it getting to see those guys go at it because uh, hey, that that's the original Bullet Club. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, anytime you can bring Bullet Club up, that makes me a happy, happy guy. So uh, I really enjoyed that match, and um, that was that was fun for me to see. Um, 
that was kind of the, the main hits on Raw. Uh, Dean Ambrose and Chris Jericho teamed up together to take on The Miz. The, the little fun part about that was, if you remember, uh, Dean Ambrose destroyed Chris Jericho's custom-made light-up jacket probably about seven or eight months ago at this point. And he came to make peace. He gave uh, he gave Chris Jericho, it's uh, just a like Brooks Brothers jacket with Christmas lights attached to it. Um, but then Jericho put it over and he said, uh, you know, just being Jericho, the, the, the international uh, man of class that he is, he says, well, I'll take it. It is the rage right now in Paris. Yeah, just, just watching Jericho say the word Perry about three times, that, just, that, that makes your day. You just got to see it. Yeah. So, yay. Anyway. Um, but for it being a go-home show, it was really, I mean, it was, it, it knocked it down a peg considering it was a go-home show for a pay-per-view, and it was just like, oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's fine. Part of it that I don't like is, you know, there's no universal title at stake in this whole thing. Because, of course, we haven't seen Brock Lesnar since WrestleMania. And no one knows when we're going to see Brock Lesnar again. I mean, that's always the issue when you put the title on a part-timer or somebody like Lesnar. It's just you never know when you're going to actually see him. And, I mean, it just it diminishes from the show when you don't have your biggest title on but anyway, I digress. Um, oh, uh, my girl Alexa Bliss is absolutely blowing it up on Raw. A fantastic promo from her. Uh, looks like her and Bailey, I believe, are going to have a match at Payback this weekend. Uh, I would love to see Alexa Bliss win that one. Uh, I don't know if she will, but I'd love to see her do it. She, she just, she, she's one of the better heels on the roster right now. She's fantastic. So, um, good, good on her. Five feet of fury, they call her. Um, on to SmackDown. SmackDown was a, uh, it was a good show again this week. Uh, I mean, nothing earth-shattering, but a good show. Um, match of the night, we got, uh, uh, Baron Corbin and AJ Styles in, uh, in a, in a good match. That was a good one. Um, the big... The big thing on the show for the night was the women's title match that we had set up at the end of the show, Charlotte Flair versus Naomi. Uh, the whole match was going well. I, I, I was kind of ex expecting a schmoz ending for this because, you know, we basically had like two weeks of build-up toward this and no pay-per-view match. So, you know, I, I didn't think they were going to take the title off of Naomi that quick and flip it on to Charlotte. And sure enough, we did have a schmoz ending. Uh, they had a good match up until the end, and then suddenly, you know, about three of the women on the roster who were jealous came out of the back, attacked them both. So, you know, no, no decision at the end of it, but it's, it's building a nice rivalry there. Charlotte Flair, she's, she's definitely the best female on the roster, and in all truth, you know, when you take everything into account, she is... God, she's one of the best people on the roster. I mean, she is just absolutely phenomenal. So, you know, I love getting to see her every week. And on SmackDown, she's got new people to work with, some new things to do. So that's that's been a lot of fun going on right now. Um, trying to think if there was anything else really to throw in there. 
Uh, we didn't see Daniel Bryan or Shane McMahon this week, so no big like behind the scenes stuff going on. Um, Bray Wyatt's going to take on Randy Orton. Oh man, I forgot about that. Uh, Randy Orton with the new number one contender, Jinder Mahal, this week. Jinder Mahal comes out, uh, he and the Bollywood boys jump Randy Orton, beat him down. Jinder Mahal leaves with the title and then actually gets in a limousine and leaves with the title. So that'll be interesting because uh, Randy Orton's supposed to face Bray Wyatt in the House of Horrors match at Payback this uh, Sunday. And right now he has no belt. So let's see what happens there. I hope they keep the continuity up and he doesn't just suddenly have the belt back with no explanation. With WWE, you never know what might happen. But uh, anyway, uh, it, it was a, I mean, it was a solid week on So Raw. It's just nothing to really write home about at the end of the day. But uh, yep, payback Sunday night. Let's see what happens. You will certainly see, and uh, maybe maybe some titles change hands, maybe not. Um, hopefully, WWE just doesn't disappoint us. We get a very angry Sora next week. But right now, it's all about the madness as we go into the payback. So with that, this podcast is about to wrap up. Once again, we are presented by NGSC Sports as well as I'm Next USA. You can find both of them on Twitter. You can also find us on Twitter as a collective at AFA Pod, West you are. At West Bradshaw Twenty One. I am at Edward Green. You can also email us only sports show at gmail.com. Big thanks to our uh, podcast providers, including Podbean.com, the iTunes Music Store, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, the TuneIn Radio app, and so many more. As well as uh, we're also powered by ZenCaster. Um, still a big episode coming next week. Another weekend in the Premier League to talk about. Champions League to talk about. The Manchester Derby will be talked about. Uh, and plenty more news and notes still to come. Um, if you're wondering, just real quick, three stories we did not talk about tonight and that I am saving in the queue for another week. Um, we'll get to them at some point. Uh, 2018 World Cup will have video replay. Uh, Italy possibly be invited to a Copa America. And Newcastle and West Ham uh, saw their stadiums raided today. So we'll tell you about that in weeks to come. Um, but for right now, go check those out online. Uh, go check us out. Our entire backlog of podcasts is available for you to listen to whenever you are just truly, truly, truly bored. We will be back next week with another new episode. Until then, Wes, anything else you'd like to add? Um, you know, just keep uh, the people here in North Carolina in your thoughts. With uh, we, We've had some bad flooding this week, uh, especially right here in Edgecombe, Nash County, uh, where, where I'm currently located. I know you guys had some up in Wake County. Um, so, yeah, you know, t- tough week here, uh, especially, you know, it's a lot. The problem is it's a lot of the same areas that were flooded by the hurricane back in the fall getting hit again. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of those people just maybe getting their lives back together. And shit, here comes another one. So, uh, luckily, didn't have all the wind and all that, but uh, still, not an, not an easy week here in Old Eastern North Carolina. No, no, no. So, for my calling crime, staying strong over there. That's Wes Bradshaw. I am Edward Green. Thanks so much for joining us here on episode 155 of the Foreign Affairs Podcast. Next week, officially completing three years of the podcast. Until then, stay safe. And enjoy the football. And good night to all you teams in Europa because no one wants to watch that anymore. No, it's it's true. It's 
basically with a, only only Alexander left to set Are you the next Michael Jordan, Tom Brady, or Deion Sanders? Do you have what it takes to become the next great talent? Whether you play baseball, basketball, football, or any other sport, you all at least have one thing in common, the need to be recognized. It doesn't matter if you're trying to get recruited to your dream school or striving to make it to the next level. I'mNextUSA.com is the platform for you. You're listening to NGSE Sports Radio. Hear us live on NGSEsports.com, where you can get awesome analysis for all things sport. Or check out our podcasts on iHeartRadio, Spreaker, iTunes, TuneIn, and much more. For our latest videos, head to NGSC Sports' YouTube channel. Follow us on Twitter at NGSC Sports and like us on Facebook. NGSC Sports. We never stop.